Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Stand to your feet uh, for the reading of the word. And he's going to give me, I did bring a digital Bible, but I don't know. There's something beautiful about holding a paper Bible. We are going to read Luke 10, 1 through 12. After this, the Lord anointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or even sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him, and if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. And let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Super excited to dive into it today. I know you have something for every single one of us. And so God, would you speak so clearly to us, Lord? Would you show us your plans, your ways for every single one of us. Lord, I pray that there would be a desire within inside of all of us to just follow you and walk in obedience to your ways, obedience to your teaching so that we can be all you've called us to be. Lord, so that we can be the church that you long for us to be. Lord, I'm praying that today that your spirit would stir up inside of us a longing for more of you, to get closer to you, to have all that you have for us, to receive the fullness of you, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, so that we can be the church. Lord, I pray that the church would rise up, that we would be a church that rises up in this city, in this country. Lord, let your church across our country, across the world, let it rise up with the message of the gospel that contains hope and freedom and salvation. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. A little bit uh, fired up this morning, if that's okay. So uh, there's a hunger that's growing within our church, and maybe you can feel it and sense it, but this weekend with the Freedom Conference, so people were getting set free and delivered, and that's cool because that's how Jesus wanted it. He went to the cross so you and I could be free, not stuck in bondage, not weighed down, not, not held back by baggage in our life, but to walk in freedom. And so... Uh, there's this hunger that's growing, and I, and I love it because we need to be the people that God has called us to be. 
The world needs us to be the people that God has called us to be. We want to be the church that God has called us to be. Now, it's interesting. You think back through history. At the turn of the 20th century, year 1900, about 63% of the world were believers in Jesus and going to spend an eternity with him. But then 100 years later, at the turn of the 21st century, 21 years ago, that number had, that percentage had gone from 63 to 33% of the world. Unfortunately, as the world grew in population, the church didn't keep up. And then in the last 20 years, you know, there's been a decline even. It's continued within our country, and you've seen a decline with people just following Jesus and church engagement, church attendance. It, and there's a drastic drop that started right around the year 2010, which is interestingly enough when social media really began to take off. I don't know if there's a correlation there, but that's when things really began to drop. And then we all went through the pandemic last year, and it just went boom, way down. And a lot of people would say that the pandemic revealed where the church really was at. We were already heading this direction, but now it just revealed uh, the church. And so it just kind of shows us, church, that we've got some work to do, and God wants to use us to make a difference in the world. And we're, we're losing ground. And so... I just want to commission you and equip you and encourage you and, and me to be the church that God has called us to be. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for us. Like, are we being the church that Jesus envisioned in his mind and in his heart when he gave up his life on the cross? Ephesians talks about how he loves the church. Jesus loved the church so much that he gave his life up for the church. And as he did that, he envisioned a church that was going to change the world. Are we being that church? I pray that we are. So I want to look at some verses in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, and 13. If you have your Bible, feel free to go there. If not, that's okay. It'll be on the screen for you. We'll read it there. But these are very important verses for the church. First, understanding who we are and, and, and who we're called to be. So Ephesians 4, verse 11 says, So Christ gave the apostles, and, and maybe your translation, if you have a Bible, it says Christ gave the church these five leadership gifts, in a sense. that We call them the fivefold ministry, but they're ministry leadership gifts. He gave them apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Everybody say equip. Very key word right there. Okay, so to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I pray, I already prayed it once. That's one of my prayers for us. We would experience the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Getting kind of quiet in here. I just wondering. Anybody else with me in that? Amen. You want the fullness of Christ? You want to experience that? Okay, so you can see a direction that Paul, as he's writing this letter to his friends at a church in Ephesus, he's saying there's a direction that, that, that we're called to go, and it starts with these gifts, and so these people are going to equip the church, and they're going to grow uh, together. The church is going to be strengthened and edified and built up, and then there's, they're going to grow in, in unity, and then they're going to grow in understanding who Jesus is and maturity and then receiving the fullness of all that God has for us. And what you get the impression of is that we can't do this alone. You notice that? You can't do it alone. So Paul is showing us that we need each other. We got to do this together. 
In order to work towards unity and growing to maturity, we do this together as the people of God, as his church. So when you look at those ministry leadership gifts, the fivefold ministry there, what is my role as a pastor? My role, my job is to equip. Did you see that? That's my biblical mandate according to the word of God as I'm called to equip you. And that is exactly my heart's desire, is to equip every single one of you to be who God has called you to be. Now, there was a a day and age years ago where church people, mostly in our country, in America, we had this mindset of, like, the pastor does all the ministry. And so if someone needs ministry and someone's going to teach and someone's going to serve and someone's going to do this, well, pastor, that's what we pay you for. So you're going to do it, okay? And so that's kind of, if you've been around the church long enough, you might remember kind of that mindset. Thankfully, that's kind of gone away where we understand, like, that's not even biblical. Okay, the pastor's job is not to do all the ministry. Really, biblically, the pastor's job, his ministry, he has a ministry, and it is to serve, yes, to love people, but to equip, to equip God's people, to equip the saints, to equip the church to do the ministry that they were gifted to do. So one of the things we talk about around here is, uh, with our leaders is we're not just called to, to minister to people. We're called to minister through people. And I think I mixed, switched it up on the, on the screen there. We're called to do ministry through people, not just to people. And so what that means is equipping you to do ministry to other people because we're all called to ministry. Every single one of us has a ministry. You might not ever be in a position like me where you you do this, but that's okay because that's not what you're called to do. But you do have a ministry, and I just want to equip you to do ministry. Ministry isn't for the few, for the elite. It isn't for the special. It's for all of us. And God has some sort of ministry that we all can enjoy doing. And so when we function like that, when we are allowing ourselves to be equipped, and do our works of service, and we're serving in ministry, the result, Paul tells us, is, in verse 12, the body of Christ is built up. The church, it's built up, it's it's strengthened, and that's what we want to see. And so my heart is to live out. This has been like my philosophy of ministry since the moment I stepped into being a pastor as like a full-time vocation thing 23 years ago or so, is to equip God's people. I want to equip the church. Because I recognize very early on, that's actually my job. (laughs) I say like, okay, that's what I'm called to do. Equip people to do the ministry that he has called them to do. And when you read and study the life of Jesus, you notice that's what he did too. Jesus didn't gather his disciples and call them and say, okay, guys, I'm going to take you through this program. It's really good that I've developed. And you're going to learn lots of stuff, and it's just going to help you be better people. He didn't do that. He didn't take them through lectures. He didn't take them through like, hey, guys, I started this like school of Jesus ministry. And when you graduate, it's going to help you get a better job later on. And so let's do this together. Okay. So it wasn't anything like that. What you see is Jesus equipped his disciples to prepare them to do the ministry they were called to do. And so while he was with them physically, he, he, he did lecture. He did teach. He lived life with them, but he also equipped them. And that's what we see, as Pastor Amy read in Luke chapter 10, which we're going to go to in just a minute if you want to go there. Luke chapter 10, Jesus equipped them to go out and do ministry. 
This is what Jesus modeled for us. He showed us, and he did it. He knew he was going to be leaving. They didn't know that yet. But he knew he was, and so he's equipping them while he's with them. In the middle of his three-year ministry with his disciples, he is equipping them to do ministry. And so one of the things we've done on this journey of growing in being a church who just makes sure we disciple people and help people grow is understanding that there's a false belief many of us bring into discipleship. We gotta confront this false belief. The false belief is that discipleship is all about me and my personal growth. So I gotta take this class, do this program so that I can become a better person and grow in maturity. And yes, that's important. We need to do that, okay? But we don't wanna stop there because then from there we take what God has done in us and we, we help other people learn and grow and follow Jesus. And so it doesn't stop with our personal growth. It carries on into helping other people grow as well. Okay, so we gotta confront that false belief. This is why we went through some time to define what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Like if someone was gonna ask you, okay, you guys are, you know, Christians and, you know, maybe they just ask you that. Like, what does it mean to be a Christian? What would you say? And so we wanted to be simple but still holistic in our definition. And so this is how we've articulated here. A disciple of Jesus is someone who is committed to following Jesus, who's someone who's being changed by Jesus on a regular basis, someone who is led by the Spirit of Jesus as much as possible every day, and someone who is living on the mission of Jesus. All of those. We feel like it's simple yet comprehensive. See, we don't want to just call ourselves disciples of Jesus. We want to be disciples of Jesus. And that's what it means is I'm, doing all, I'm experiencing all four of those. I'm living all four of those out. And so I want to equip you to be a true disciple. And so let's walk through this Luke 10 passage. I was going to walk through um, every verse. I'm not. I'm going to just highlight a few of the main things uh, for the sake of time here this morning. But let me read just verse 1 here. Luke chapter 10, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And so what's interesting is you read that verse and you realize Jesus was very strategic at what he was doing here, which side note, he was always strategic and intentional in everything that he did. But he knew where he was going. He knew the exact towns that he was headed towards and he sent out his disciples to those towns for a reason, for a purpose. They were preparing the way, in a sense. But as he's doing this, what is he doing? He's, he's equipping his disciples for the future that they had for them. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to write this down. Number one, we learned from this Luke 10 passage here, pray and obey, which is a phrase I love to go back to all the time. Pray and obey, because that's like, you want to know how to have a successful day today? Pray and obey. So all you gotta do is pretty simple. And, and prayer is not just talking to God, it's listening to God too and just receiving from him. Let him speak, he'll speak through his word, he'll speak through his spirit, all that, use other people. Uh, but pray, connect with God, commune with God, communicate with God, and then whatever you sense he's laying on your heart, do that. Pray and obey. Can you remember that? Hope so. I made it rhyme, that's, so that'll help us to remember. Pray and obey. So Jesus is physically with them in this moment, and he's telling them where to go. Spiritually, by his spirit, he will speak to us now, and he will show us who to go to, who to connect with, where to go. He wants to lead and guide us today, and he loves to be intentional about that, just like he was in this moment here, okay? So pray 
and, and obey. Now, one of the things that you notice is that Jesus is not just using the 12 disciples here. You notice that? 72 other people. I mean, he's, he's, he's using normal, regular folk just like you and I. He can use any of us. I mean, the question should be asked, are these guys even saved yet? They haven't prayed the sinner's prayer. I haven't read anywhere where they've prayed the sinner's prayer yet. Like, how dare Jesus use them to do ministry and advance the kingdom of God when they, are they even true believers yet? Like, Jesus is still using, this is the fascinating how Jesus trained and equipped people, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, he's using these people, and then he goes on to, um, he talks about, you know, Pray for the harvest, or pray for workers for the harvest. The harvest is ready, but pray for workers. And so we want to pray for that as well as we pray, but also just be an answer to our own prayers. Like, I'll be one of the few. If there's few workers, I'll be one of them, Lord. And then he says, go. I'm gonna go. I'm sending you out, guys. Go, which is really a foreshadowing of his great commission that we're going to look at in a few moments, where he says, go again. But here, he's, go. he's sending them out. Go. I'm, I'm sending you. I'm equipping you to do this. Go. So... Number one is pray and obey. Number two is look for a person of peace. We see this in verse five and six. Verse five says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. I think this is a very simple but important principle for us to understand, this person of peace principle. Who is a person of peace? It's someone who is ready to receive the gospel, the message of Jesus. They're open to it. You start talking about it, and they want to talk to you more about it. You're like, oh, this is awesome. This almost feels easy, and that's how it feels when you find that person of peace. And so we want to pray and obey because God could lay people on your mind, on your heart, to reach out to because he knows their heart is ready. They're one of the people that Jesus talked about. They're part of the harvest that's ripe. This happened to me this last January. It was super cool where I just had this friend of mine that God was laying on my heart, and I hadn't talked to him for quite a while. And so I messaged him. I said, hey, man, you want to get together? We got together. We caught up, talked about family and life and work and all that. And then I, I, I went for it. I, I, I threw the question out there because this is what God was kind of stirring to me, the reason he called me to just reach out to him. It's fun to connect with a friend, but I really sensed that God wanted me to do this as well. And I said, hey, man, have you, would you consider getting together and just reading through the Bible and just seeing what God would say to us as we read through the Bible? And so, I, did, I mean, that's a scary question oftentimes for us, right? It's like, okay, we're throwing it out there. Okay, we're going to go there. And when you sense God is in it, I just say, go for it. Go for it. And just trust him with the results. And his response was like, yeah, i actually been thinking about spiritual life and stuff like that, so... Um, yeah, that, that sounds kind of interesting. Let's do that. And I'm like, wait, let's do it. All right, okay, let's go. You know, and so we start meeting, and it's been fun just connecting with him. We've been reading scripture and just talking about it. And I've really enjoyed it. And so many times he's like, I really like this. Thank you for doing this. And I just get to be a part of his journey that he's on of exploring who Jesus is and what Jesus means to him personally. And I would have missed out on it had I not taken advantage of just meeting with him and asking the question. But he really was someone who was ripe. He was ready. He was a person of peace. 
The good news is this, is when you find that person, half the work is done because they're ready. And again, like I said, it almost feels easy. So we're praying for that. God, would you, do you want to speak to me about certain people? Who's ready to receive you? Who's eager to grow? And so this person of peace principle, I think, is very, uh, it's very important. And, um, it, but, but it's simple. So look for that person of peace. You know, not everyone's going to receive your message. Not everyone's going to want to listen to you. And I think we, we just got to feel okay with that. Just be at peace with that. Jesus recognized this in there. He's like, some people are not going to want to talk to you. And he's like, shake the dust off your feet and just kind of move on. And you're going to find that person of peace. And Jesus himself even had conversations with people. And they rejected him to his face. And he just let them go. You think about Paul. Paul, this mighty man of God who had a radical encounter with Jesus. Jesus changed his life. He used to persecute and kill Christians. Then he became uh, like a leader in the Christian church and started planting churches all over the place. But what he would do was he would go into a town and he would just start talking to people, connecting with people. And eventually he would find someone who was open to his message. And he would lead them to Jesus. More people would come to Jesus. And from there, he would start a church in that town. But... Not everybody listened to him. In fact, a lot of people hated him. That's why he was almost killed several times. He was thrown in prison. Like, he faced major persecution because he just walked into town and started talking to people about Jesus. And so not everyone listened to Jesus. Not everyone listened to Paul. Not everyone's going to listen to you and me. But there are people out there that are ready. And so we want to find those people, right? Okay, so then now number three is this. Serve and share. Look for ways to serve that person and for an opportunity to share Jesus. Look at verse 9 here. This is what verse 9 says. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So you see Jesus commissioning them to go and heal people. Now, when you pray for somebody and they're healed by God, God uses us, but he does it, right? That's, if you think about it, a very simple and practical way to serve them. You just help them, and they're going to be very appreciative of it. And so Jesus is saying, heal them, but that is one way that we can serve people. And don't forget that God wants to use you in that way. Do you believe God still heals? Because if you, the answer to that question really depends upon how we're going to pray and how we're going to serve people. Now, it could be just very practical, like maybe they just need help, you know, moving or doing something or, you know, watching kids, money. I mean, there's going to be so many ways that we can serve people, but look for opportunities to serve those people to just show, like, I care about you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm in life with you. And then also look for an opportunity to share the gospel because Jesus says, proclaim the kingdom. Let them know the kingdom's here. Kingdom's here. And so it's not just serving and acts of service, but also look for that opportunity to share. And then the last one is this. Begin a discipleship relationship. Now, you don't see this in, it play out in Luke chapter 10. They go out and they minister to people, and they come back. They're like, whoa, Jesus, it worked. And he's like, yeah, that's right. You can trust me in this. It will work. So you don't see the, the discipleship relationship begin, but you do see Jesus speaking to that the next time he says, go. Okay, I'm sending you out again here. Go and make 
disciples is what he says in Matthew 28. In fact, if you have a Bible, go to Matthew 28. We're going to go there in, in just a minute. But as you find that person of peace, you, you build that relationship, invite them into a discipleship relationship. Maybe it's a group you're already a part of. Maybe you start a new group with them. But get them to a place where you can begin to help them grow. The cool thing is this. The people you end up in a discipleship journey with may totally surprise you. Maybe people you never, ever thought of. But that's why I want the Spirit to lead us in this and guide us in this because we just want to be open. Okay, so then Jesus, he equipped, trained his disciples. You see him doing it very specifically and practically there in Luke 10. And then he, he died on the cross, but he rose from the dead. The thing we always like to say around here is that anyone who can predict their own death and resurrection and then pull it off, that's a guy you can trust and you can put your life into, okay? Jesus did it. He's the only one. And so we can trust him. So he's, he's come back from the dead. He conquered death, showing us that he is actually God, who he says he was. And he meets with his disciples and other people for about 40 days. Over 500 people see him, does some more, has some more conversations, does some more teaching. And then he has one last moment with his disciples, which is Matthew 28 here. Again, Jesus being very intentional gives us his last words. I believe his last words should be our first priority. His last words should be at the top of the list because Jesus saved this, like I've talked about it, I've talked about, okay, here we go. I'm commissioning you to do this. So that means it's priority because last words are so important. Like Jesus Notice what Jesus didn't say in Matthew 28. Hey, guys, hasn't this been fun? Oh, man, we've had so many good times together. Oh, boy, I just, we've made memories. We've bonded. This has been like the best of times. I am so thankful for you guys. So, um, man, just good luck with the rest of your life, and I'll see you, I'll, I'll see you in the end. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say that, okay? <laughs> he could have. And maybe he did. Like, this has been fun, guys. But what, he, what we know, because what's really important that Jesus said there was, your turn. I've started, I've showed you, started it, began this, I've equipped you. Tag, you're it. Your turn. I'm out of here. And there are still struggling. Like, hey, Jesus, this kind of works well when you're around. And so we like it. You sure about this? Like, he's, no, your turn. And so as we look at these words of the Great Commission, I just would love for you who have heard this before to throw away all of your, like, I've heard this, I know, Tyrone, go and make disciples, baptize people, all that, you know, okay, okay. So let's just throw all that out. And can we just have a posture of hunger and teachability just to receive something new from this passage? I think God wants to give you something fresh here in these moments here. Because uh, sometimes what becomes mundane for us, just be, we just kind of push aside, and it doesn't become a priority. But again, I think Jesus' last words should be our first priority. So, Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What he means by that is, I have all authority. Now I've given it to you. I'm delegating my authority. You and I can walk in the authority of Christ. That's good news, friends. So then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this is a very important part of the commission. 
teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. We don't want to throw that out. We're not called to go and make converts. We're not called just to go and make people who believe in Jesus and what he did. We're called to make disciples, and as we do that, we teach them to walk in obedience to everything Jesus has taught us. And then he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end. Very important words for us as his people, as the church. Jesus didn't say go and uh, go and plant churches everywhere you go. He didn't say that, actually, did he? He didn't say go and start some really cool programs so that people will know about me and that it'll just help them live a better life. He didn't say go and put on super cool and exciting Sunday morning gatherings with good music and this makes people feel in awe of me. He didn't even say that. Which, unfortunately, tends to become the focus for our spiritual life. As important as this is, um, Jesus says this. Here's the priority. Go and make disciples. And so our posture here at Rivers is, man, everything we do should probably help us with that commissioning, that mandate right there. And if we're doing things that are just keeping us busy and, 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 and taking us off track from making disciples, why are we doing it? And either we need to stop it or change how we do it. Because everything we do should line up with we're making disciples. We're, making this, we're just becoming better followers of Jesus who are helping other people become better followers of Jesus. We want everything to point to and help and aid our discipleship cause and mandate. That's the goal. So here's what I've seen. Maybe you've seen this. We can start churches and not have disciples. But if we make disciples, you will always end up with a church. Jesus didn't call us to go and grow the church, build the church. Jesus said, actually said, I'll build the church. So we just partner with him. We're called to make disciples. That's our calling. That's our focus, to make disciples. And that's why this is a big deal for us. And so as a part of this, we want to make sure we're, we're leaning into this whole obedience thing. It's not like, okay, thank you, Jesus, for grace and salvation and, and forgiveness and all that, and now I'm going to go do whatever I want. But I want to, the goal is to walk in obedience to the teachings and to the way of Jesus. And what we learn is life's actually better when we do it because he kind of knows how we should live, and he knows what's best for us. In fact, he knows us better than we know ourselves. So to trust the teachings of Jesus and walk in obedience to those things is a really good thing. It's not always easy because it really goes against this thing, like this selfish, fleshly thing that we have. We just want to do our own thing, but it's always worth it, right? So the obedience thing is very, you know, obedience to Jesus, that's the goal. So we want to grow in obedience and help other people understand what Jesus taught and how to walk in obedience to that. And then Jesus says this statement, I will be with you. And I want to ask you, why do you think Jesus said that? Why did Jesus say, I will be with you always? Sometimes it's good for us to ask questions like that. Like, why did Jesus say that? Because I can just take that at face value and, and it's good. But why? Is there, what's really going on with that statement, Jesus? And I think 
a big element of it is Jesus is speaking to relationship. Like the whole reason Jesus went to the cross was to take care of the sin issue that separated us from God. We've all sinned. We've all separated ourselves from God. Jesus took care of that on the cross. Now we have relationship with God. He is with us as we commit to following. Jesus is with us. Okay, so that's cool. It's a relationship thing. And the truth is that's very comforting. No matter what you go through, he's with you. No matter what you face in life, he is with you. No matter how hard it gets, he's with you. And that's good news. So Jesus is reminding us, I'm with you. Always with you. But I think there's a deeper element that Jesus understands in this moment. As he is commissioning the first disciples, and you think about, they have an opportunity to respond to Jesus' commission or not. And how did they respond? Well, we're here. (laughs) So... They did. Those 11 guys went out and did exactly what Jesus commissioned them to do. And that's the reason we're all here right now. It's because of their obedience. Who else is going to be here because of our obedience? So Jesus, I think, is saying, I'm with you. Because what he is sending them out to do is going to be absolutely impossible without his help. I'm sending you out to do something. I'm sending you out to make disciples, which really you can't do in the natural. So I just want you to know I'm with you to help you with this because it will be impossible for you to really do this if I'm not with you. So good news, I'm always with you. Jesus, in a sense, is saying the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you is me. It's me. We're one and the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Trinity, all that doesn't make sense, but it does. Kind of. So Jesus said, I'm with you. And so he is sending us out to do something absolutely impossible. There's this expectation that Jesus has as he commissions you and I as his disciples, as his followers. We can receive these words for ourselves as well, right? Go and make disciples. Go. That's your calling. Jesus is saying that to you today. Go. You have the same commission that the first disciples did. Go. And I'm with you. And he wants you to know that his supernatural power will always be at your disposal because not only is his presence with you relationally and you can experience the comfort of that, but his power is within you as well and you can walk in the supernatural. You can see supernatural things take place because he is with you. And the greatest miracle we can ever see is a salvation. Is someone's life changed by the power of Jesus. That's the greatest miracle. And so that can't happen unless he's with us and his spirit is using us and is working in them as well. And we'll also see other supernatural things take place. Signs, wonders, miracles. Jesus, everywhere he went, proclaimed the kingdom, but also brought signs, wonders, and miracles to, to, uh, to confirm the message. And that's what we bring is both, both, and, and so that we can walk in the supernatural. I think God wants the supernatural to be natural in our life. I think he wants you to see more and more of his supernatural power at work in changing other people's lives uh, through salvation, through uh, healings, through miracles, other signs and wonders. And so Jesus says, I'm with you because I'm sending you out to do something absolutely impossible that you could not do on your own strength, in your own power, but my power is in you, so go. You can do this. And that's good news, friends. It's deeper than just relationship. There's an empowerment that Jesus has for you. And I want to commission you to walk in that power. Walk in that power that Jesus has for you so that you can see the supernatural. We don't want to just see the natural out of our life.
life. We want to see the supernatural, okay? So let me just close here with some practical things. I want to, again, because my heart is to equip. I love to break down scripture, you know, feed, all that kind of stuff, but I want to equip. That's my, that's my biblical mandate too, by the way, right? That's what I'm supposed to do. Equip. And so the Great Commission is very important to us, but so is the greatest commandment, which Jesus said, love God and love people. Very important as well. So we've put those two together for our mission statement here at Rivers Church. We want to love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. That's our mission. We want to do that all together. Love people, live like Jesus, lead others to him. You see those words, love, live, lead, and there I love those words. It's just cool words, okay? Love, live, lead. Out of that, we've taken our, this is our strategy, our discipleship strategy or our process, if you want to call it that. Love, live, lead. So here's what we want to do, and here's what we hope takes place out of our life. Love means we want to engage people with the love Jesus has given us. We've experienced his love, we want to give it away. So we engage people with the love Jesus has given us. Live means we want to equip people to live as a disciple of Jesus. So there's an equipping that needs to take place for all of us so we can grow to become more and more like Jesus. And then lead means we want to empower people to make disciples who make more disciples. And we want to empower you and understand that really it's the spirit that's empowering you to do that. Okay, so then we got this really cool graphic that Pastor John Mark made for us that kind of illustrates this for us, this whole love, live, lead thing. And so as we're loving people, the goal is to love people into the kingdom. We want to see salvations take place. We want to see people's lives changed by Jesus. Sometimes what we see, though, is before they step into the kingdom, a relationship with Jesus, they step into community. And so we love them in a community because it's okay for people to belong before they believe. Totally fine. It happens a lot, actually. And we just want to love you wherever you're at in the spiritual journey. And you're just welcome to be a part of the community. And we're going to keep talking about Jesus and just uh, he's changed our life. And uh, we pray that he does the same in you. And so some people may be loved into community and then loved into the kingdom. Then we want to live. The live thing is that's that's the equipping thing. And the goal here is, you know, we see uh, serve in groups, if you can read that on the top. But the goal really isn't that. The goal is spiritual growth. It's spiritual maturity. That's really the goal. But there's two simple, practical things that you and I can do to help us grow, and that's use our gifts to serve somewhere and to get in a group, because getting in a group gives accountability and just helps us just kind of move forward a little bit more than we could on our own, all right? So those are practical steps. I mentioned this because, again, I want to get practical in equipping you, and as we launch all these groups this fall, there are three groups that we want everybody here at Rivers Church to do at least once. At least once, do these three groups. Two of them we're offering this fall. Freedom Course and Knowing God. Freedom Course starts a week from today, next Sunday night. Knowing God starts tomorrow night. These are foundational groups that are going to equip you. That's why we want you to do them. We want to equip you to help you grow so that you can help other people grow. The third one we'll offer in January, very likely, it's called the Prayer Lab that Pastor Amy leads that's just very practical and powerful, and it's a great experience. It's not really a group or a class. It's an experience as we teach you to pray. And so it's really cool. So we'll, we'll talk more about that in the future, but those are the three. We'd love for you to do one, those three at least once because we feel like those are equipping. And then from there, let's just get into groups. Let's keep growing, and let's get other people into groups and really want to, you know... 
What brings more joy to me is not just growing for the rest of my life in a group, but it's getting more people to come into a group and, and helping them grow. And there's so much joy in that, guys. It's just so much more fun, I would say. But the reason we're doing groups this fall is not so that we can make sure that your fall is more busy than ever or because some of you are just bored. You got nothing to do this fall, right? And so he's got to provide something. Okay, that's what the church has got to provide something for you. The goal is equipping, equipping you as a follower of Jesus. And then lead, uh, the, the goal of the lead thing is that we would, back to that graphic there, is that we would show others the way. We want to show other people the way of Jesus, okay? So if people are interested in, in growing, you'll find that person of peace, and they want to follow Jesus, you can just say, this is the way. This is my Mandalorian reference that no one cared about. I worked really hard on that, okay? Some of you got it, but she didn't give me any feedback. It bombed. <clears throat> show others the way, all right? The way of Jesus, not Mandalorian, just to be clear, okay? The way of Jesus. And so that's why we have this graphic. Just kind of help articulate this, but this is a journey we all want to go on all together. So why don't you stand your feet? Let's pray. We're going to take a moment and we're just going to uh, just let God speak to us. Just pause right here before we go any further. Why don't you close your eyes? If you're at home, I encourage you to do the same thing. Just close your eyes. God, what are you speaking to us today in light of this message? Is there a person of peace, maybe a couple people that you want to lay on our hearts? What group do you want me to do this fall, Lord? Maybe you haven't been relying on the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who doesn't just want to comfort you, but wants to empower you to see the supernatural take place. Maybe that's what it is. One of those, God, God, what do you want me to do in light of this message? How do you want me to respond? Maybe you're here and you've never put your trust in Jesus, given your life to him, I'd encourage you to do that first in this moment. Jesus went to the cross for your sins. We've all sinned. We've all separated ourselves from God like we talked about. Jesus paid the penalty of death that we deserve. We were going to die because of our sins, but he says, I'll, do, I'll take your place. So that we wouldn't have to die, but also so that we could be in relationship with him. And so when you accept what Jesus did for you and ask for forgiveness for your sins that put him on that cross, and his grace is right there, available and ready for you. And you step into a relationship with God. He's going to begin to change your life. His spirit is going to enter your life. You're becoming a, a person of the kingdom in that moment. Maybe that's what you need to do today is just start right there, just saying yes to Jesus. And if you do, please let us know because we want to help you move forward on that because that is just the beginning, friend. Let me pray over all of us right now. Lord, I thank you that in a moment like this, you speak to us what we need to hear. As we're at different places in our journey and our life. And so, God, help us to just walk in obedience to what you're speaking to us. 
and to take those next steps, whatever it is that we sense that you are calling us to take, Lord, to obey you. And Lord, I pray over my friends, Lord, that your spirit would be alive and strong inside of them. Lord, I pray that they would see the supernatural, Lord, that they would not walk in the natural, but they would walk in the supernatural because you're alive inside of them. Oh God, by your spirit, empower them to be who you've called them to be. To, 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 to live how you've called them to live. Lord, may they see miracles, salvation, signs, and wonders. May you lead them and guide them. Lord, I pray that this week they'd have moments of, wow, God, you are awesome. Hmm. Let that happen this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.